If you have your Bibles, let's open them, please, for a few moments to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you're a new Christian or new to the Bible, let me give you just a little background of this, of this book. God oftentimes uses unlikely people to do unlikely things for God. And one of those unlikely people is sitting in the pew right now like all of us. And uh, God's just in the miracle working business. And so he used the Apostle Paul who hated Christians and God saved him, changed his life. He became a missionary, a church planter. And so he ends up in Athens, uh, uh, Greece and about an hour away by car, about 70 miles is the seaport town of Corinth. It was a very wicked town. Uh, we, would, we would perhaps compare it to San Francisco. We would compare it to Nolens, excuse me, for you city folks, New Orleans, uh, uh, Nolens, uh, maybe Las Vegas, uh, where you would find plenty of sin and plenty of temptation. Sin city, temptation city, if you will. That was Corinth, wicked town. Who would ever get saved out of Corinth? But God led Paul to preach there. And when he preached in the synagogue, many heard the gospel. And the Bible says, some believed and some did not. And the same thing with our witnessing. You're going to talk to people. Some will believe and some will not. Uh, major on those that believe. And so a church was formed there in Corinth. And Paul ends up there a year and a half. He leaves the area. And now they have written him a letter. And the, uh, the book of Corinthians, the first several chapters, is him answering their letters. And so he's, uh, uh, they had questions. So somehow, if they asked Paul questions, they must have thought he knew this book. And so it behooves us as Christians to find the answers. Because in the day and age in which we live today, Everyone's got questions. They all want to know why is all this going on and how's it going to turn out and uh, how should we live and what's right, what's wrong. We've got the answers right here. And so, so important to go through discipleship, so important to be a student of the Bible because we need to have Bible answers for people that we love and care about. And so this chapter here deals with marriage of all things. Uh, someone said, and I believe it, that salvation, when, when God saves a soul, it's a symbol or marriage is a symbol of salvation. Uh, Jesus is called our bridegroom. He's called the groom. We're called the bride of Christ. He fell in love with us. He made a commitment. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And once we are saved, it's permanent. And that's the symbol of marriage there. And, and so it's a permanent thing. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Sometimes we're unfaithful to him, but he is never unfaithful to us. He's the perfect spiritual groom in our life. So let's have a prayer and we'll just, uh, someone said, well, no, uh, we're just going to get right in the message. I got too many jokes in the message. I'm cutting them all out. So it's all going to be serious. Here, here we go. Father, bless now this time. Pray that you would help us. Help every person somehow to just be mature enough to listen and realize there's something there for them. They may not all use it all this week. Some will apply it immediately. 
But others, uh, they'll apply it uh, years down the road. Some of the young people maybe will remember something tonight and use that later on. I pray you would help them. Help me only say what ought to be said in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here, looking down in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, let's look down in verse number 1. We're not going to read it all, but uh, verses 1 through 11 deal with Christians married to Christians. And so that would be some of you here tonight. You're saved. You're married to someone that's saved. He says, now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Again, we've mentioned this. This doesn't mean if one of the special singers misses a step and falls off the platform and breaks her leg. You don't just look at them and say, sorry, sister. I'll be praying for you. God bless you. Hang in there. Uh, we love you in the Lord. Uh, no, it's okay to help that poor woman up. Uh, uh, grab her by the hand, put her in the ambulance or something. But that word uh, touch here is a sexual term. So it's, so it's talking about stirring up something that cannot be rightly satisfied. That's what he's talking about here. So Paul delves right into it. Then he says in verse 2, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. Let every woman have her own husband. Skip down to verse 7. For I would that all men were even as myself. Paul was single. Now, we don't know if Paul was married because he was a part of the Sanhedrin, the top 70 leaders in, in uh, Israel, uh, much, like, uh, much like the uh, Supreme Court or maybe the House of Representatives. He was a religious leader and a political leader. Uh, we don't know if after he got saved, his wife left him and said, I don't want to be a part of this traveling and starting church. I don't believe in Jesus. We don't know. But all we know is that this time in Paul's life, he's single. And he's saying, I've got this gift. I don't have to be married. I don't need to be married. I got enough stuff to do for the Lord. Not everyone has that gift. Not everyone is wired that way. Some people need to be married. Some people could do without. That's what he's saying here. And then if you look a little further uh, in verse number nine, but if they cannot contain, let them marry. It's better to marry than to burn. Uh, I remember reading that when I was a teenager. I said, wow, that's a weird verse. It's better to get married than go to hell. Wow. Now, that's not what he's talking about there. But then it says in verse 10, and unto the married I command yet not I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. So he's talking to these married couples that are Christians and he's saying, wives, don't leave your husband. Then the next verse he says, husbands, don't leave your wives. And then, but notice what he says, verse 11. But and if she depart, if she's heading out the door and she just can't, can't handle it, she's going to kill him or something. But and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. So what Paul is saying here is, is uh, God's, God's plan has always been one man and one woman for one lifetime. Uh, you say, where do you get that pattern? In, uh, in the Garden of Eden, God made Adam, then he made Eve. You know why he did that? So Eve didn't have to hear how great Adam's mother cooked. <laughs> That's why he did that. And, uh, and, and he didn't have to hear all the other men she could have married. Okay, moving right along. But anyway, he, he made one man, one woman, put him in the garden, and that was it. So guess what that means? That pattern shows us God is not for homosexuality. Amen. He, he didn't make a man and a man and a woman. and a, No, it was one man, one woman. That was his original intent. And also it uh, uh, implies uh, God is not for polygamy. 
He's not for a man having two wives, five wives, ten wives, like some of the countries have today and some religions in Napa approve of today. It was always one man, one woman. How come? Because most men can't handle the woman they have. That's why. Uh, why? Uh, okay. Uh, Someone said this, and I can't say. Someone said most statistics are made up on the spot. Forget it. So many men, if they're a widower, not all, statistics say they remarry a lot quicker than women do if their mate dies. How come? Women say, man, I've been through that. Why would I want to do it again? That's what a woman may say. And the man says, I can't even find my keys. I can't even find my, 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 my uh, socks. And man, I need someone. And, and so sometimes that's how that happens. But Paul says when there's problems and someone leaves the marriage, he said, now here's the options. He said, here's what you need to do. And he's answering their questions. Chapter seven is not an entire uh, volume on marriage. He's answering their questions. He said, if you leave, Work at restoring your marriage. Get back together. Work at it. Figure it out or stay single. And that's what he's saying here. And so he's, he's just working on that. He's saying uh, it needs to be permanent. It's a, it's a picture to the world of Christians. And, and, and it's not always peace at any price. I've counseled enough to know some people should not be together. It's not healthy. He's going to kill her. Uh, they're going to die of diseases or this or that. I mean, I mean it, is, it is terrible. If she leaves, God says, that's okay. But just stay single. Or if he changes, work at getting, getting back together. So we see that, that uh, 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 this passage here dealing with Christians, married to Christians. Um, then let's uh, keep going here. Look down at verse number 12, if you will. Verse number 12. And I don't know if you're like me, but I was a pretty good expert on marriage. I knew all about it until I got married. And I found a lot of times people are prone to give advice. They know all about marriage, but they've never been married. They know all about child rearing, but they've never had kids. And so, but here's the apostle Paul. Look down in verse 12, please. He says, but to the rest, I speak not to the Lord. Uh, If any brother have a wife that believe not. And she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. The woman which hath a husband that believeth not, if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. So now he addresses for, uh, for these verses, about 10 verses. He says, what about a Christian married to a non-Christian? And so some of these people, when they heard Paul preach, the husband got saved, but the wife didn't. Or the wife got saved and the husband didn't. And so he talks to them about that. He said, maybe your lifestyle will win him over. Maybe it'll win her over. And so he addresses this here. And then in verse 25 uh, through verse 40, we're not going to read it all. Uh, Then here he talks to the unmarried Christians, people who are not married at all. They're not married to a Christian. They're not married to a non-Christian. They're single. And notice what he says in verse 25. He says, now concerning virgins... I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful and and on and on. And Paul basically is saying here, he's saying at this time, it's probably best not to get married. Paul was saying, but think, Jesus had just been crucified. John the Baptist had been beheaded. Stephen had been stoned. It was great persecution. He was saying, 
man, you say I do. Now you got to keep up with, uh, with someone and your family. He said, you may be here today and, and running for your life. Tomorrow. He says, probably not a good time right now. So Paul's given all this advice on marriage, all this advice. And I uh, want to just say this. Uh, there's a lot of myths in marriage. Here's one of them. If I can just get married, it will cure all my problems. You need to be institutionalized. It usually compounds. How come? Now you got two people with two different opinions on things now living together. That's why there's friction. That's why there's friction. I want to say this too. Someone said, marriage will cure my immoral tendencies. Another myth. If a person, especially a man, cannot control their eyes before they're married, they won't afterward. If they're hooked on pornography before they're married, they'll be hooked on pornography after they're married. It doesn't cure those tendencies. Number three, third myth is this. For a woman, he's going to rescue me from all my problems. No, he's going to be your problem. (laughs) Pastor, can you give us something positive here? Well, let me tell you about John Wesley's wife. Sometimes people marry, but it's not a good fit. Sometimes it's the right person at the wrong time. Sometimes it's just the wrong person at any time. John Wesley was one of those men. He married a woman. He was a great evangelist, traveled 250,000 miles on horseback, wrote 200 books. I mean, what a guy. But his wife hated him in the ministry. He'd be praying late at night. She'd take boiling water and dump it on his back. He'd be preaching outside to thousands of people and a tomato would come out of the audience. It was his wife just throwing, throwing the tomatoes, throwing egg. I mean, he had some issues. I think of David Livingston, one of my heroes, great missionary to Africa. He probably never should have married because he hit the ground and said, now we're going through the brush and the wild animals and the natives and the cannibals. I mean, he, he, he crossed the continent and about killed his wife. He finally sent her back to England and saw her one other time. He probably just should have been single. Pastor, what are you even preaching? Look, It's in the Bible. Here it is, 1 Corinthians 7. We need to talk about marriage tonight. Outside of getting saved, the greatest decision that will affect you is who you marry. I've been at this a long time. I almost wish I could require everyone I'm married to have a physical. I wish I could have them all have a background check. I wish I could do a family history just just finding out who they're related to, health issues of their family, trace back. I mean, is your family diabetic? And Are they this? Are they that? Just, just trace it all back. I've only had one couple I married. I asked them to have an AIDS test before they married. I said, before I marry you, you'll have to have this test because I know how you both lived. I don't want to do the wedding. And then a few months later, you find out your mate's dying. You know, it's California. It's just, it's just kind of how it is, kind of how it is. I want to speak to the men just for a second and say that if you're single, become the man that God has designed you to be. Amen. And even if you're married, 
Be the man God has designed you to be. Look like one. Someone said a lot of men today, they swing like Tarzan, look like Jane, and smell like cheetah. (laughs) You want to look like one. Heard about a pastor, he did a wedding a while back, and he couldn't tell which one was the bride and the groom. He finally ended it and said, would one of you please kiss the bride? Look like one. Learn to work hard. Every wife needs a workman, not a playboy. She needs someone that knows how to work, bring home a paycheck, work hard, finish the job, not quit when things get hard. Then get good at something. Let me say to the young men, as you're uh, just starting to make direction in your life, you've got to get you a trade and get good at it. You've got to get a trade and get good at it. You can't just always be a laborer that's helping somebody else. Be good at something. Uh, You'll climb the ladder. That's what you want to do. And I want to say this too to all the men here tonight. Flee pornography and sensual seducing women. It it becomes an addiction. It becomes a weakness. You got to run from it. Don't run to it. Run from it. If you can't flee it now, you won't flee it after marriage. Number two, to the ladies tonight, I want to say this by way of introduction. Become the woman that God has designed you to be. Look like a lady. I want to say to the new moms, as soon as that little girl comes home from the hospital, dress her like a girl. If it's a boy, dress him masculine. Put, him in, uh, uh, put, put on that little suit of sandpaper or something. I mean... Let the boy be a boy. I want to say this as well to the girls. I was talking to someone today about this. Learn to cook. Amen. Learn to cook. Make him want to come home. Make all his friends want to come home. Make the kids grow up saying, boy, just having supper. Man, my mom could cook. I've said it before. Uh, we had a list for both of our daughters before they got married. List of things they had to know how to cook before I said they could get married. One of them finished, not going to say which one faith, finished by 10th grade. Had them all done, 10th grade, all checked off. Her sister, night before the wedding, was still trying to get the last one done. (laughs) You want to be a good cook. Cook things that taste good, things that are healthy. Make it an enjoyable time. Men, is food important or not? Okay, everybody's awake now. That was just asleep. Go back to sleep. I want to say this too to the young ladies. Get you a trade. I'm for stay-at-home moms. In California, it must be a tough thing to get to do that. My mother told me this. She said, I became a nurse because my dad made my mom cry a lot. And when I would see my mom crying, my mom couldn't leave. She had nothing to go to. My mom said, that's when I decided I would have a trade. I'd go to college or get a trade, go to nursing school. I would get good at something. So if I ever had to be on my own, I could support myself. That's some pretty good advice right there. This too, for the ladies, decide to be modest and not defraud. The word defraud means stir up an ungodly desire in a man that you cannot rightly satisfy. When a woman dresses immodest, she's stirring up desires in a man She cannot rightly satisfy. Be modest. Be modest. Uh, What else? Ask, when you're dating, is he a man? Ask this question. Could I gladly follow him? 
had someone tell me years ago, she said, I have never met the man that could lead me. Well, that's a, maybe, maybe a strong woman and she's going to have to have a, a strong leader. Before our kids got married, especially our boys, we told them, we said, there's, there's three things that the Ray family does. You have to ask yourself this question if you're dating a girl. Is she, is she godly? Is she pretty? And is she wealthy? <laughs> then the kids went off to college. One of our sons, not going to name which one, but he lives in Indiana. He called the house one night. And he said, hey, dad, I'm kind of interested in this girl. I said, and, you know, the three qualifications. He said, dad, she's pretty. I said, that's one. He said, and she's, she's godly. She's a spiritual girl. I said, and, he said, get this, dad. Her last name is Rich. I said, she's the one. Let me encourage you. Pick wisely. You get one pick. Pick slowly. Well, I just met this person on the internet. It's a chat room and I'm, and I hope it's them. I mean, they sent me a picture. I, I don't think, and, and I'm, and I'm going to see them. I'm going to go visit them and, and they're in another state and, I, and they told me to bring a lot of money. Really? Pick wisely. Pick slowly. The dating ought to be like a grandfather clock. Take your time. Take. Not like a stopwatch. Hurry up quick. Hurry up quick. Hurry up. Heard about the little couple. They just met. And he said, hi. She said, hi. He said, I like you. She said, I like you too. He said, I love you. I love you too. Will you marry me? Yes, I will. Can you come over tomorrow? Yes, why? It's my 12th birthday party. Uh, you want to slow it down just a little bit. You want to slow it down some. Marriage is good. We hear all the stories. So-and-so had a terrible marriage and so-and-so had a divorce. Marriage is good. God said that. But anyone can get married if they stoop low enough. It depends on what they're willing to settle for. I want to say this by way of introduction too, long introduction. Beauty is vain. I was looking at the uh, news on my app yesterday and they had a picture of uh, uh, Joe Montana. You remember? Number what? 16. And so here's with the 49ers. And I always liked Joe. I always liked Joe. But they showed a picture of him. Do you know how old that guy is? 67. When I looked at him, I said, I don't even recognize him. Is that, is that a guy who kind of crawled out of a rest home or something? I mean, who is that old man? It was Joe Montana. He doesn't look the same. Um, who you marry, things change. Someone says that Coke bottle figure turns into a two liter after a while. <laughs> On the husband and the wife. You have five or six kids, you're not going to weigh the original weight. The hair turns gray, it turns loose. Teeth turn loose. 
Out in the lobby, you're talking more about your surgeries than you're talking about your kids. Things change. Beauty is vain. Better marry someone who inside is beautiful too. Who has a personality. Who is not just a body. It's not just some supermodel or some Playboy magazine girl who doesn't have a brain, doesn't have a personality, doesn't have any, uh, 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 anything else to offer. And then it all boils down to trust. Is God big enough to give me the right mate? Do I have to go on chat rooms? Do I have to sneak around? Do I have to meet total strangers and say, here's my phone number, call me. Uh, get them to call me. We spot someone one time in church and on the way out, we shake their hand and say, are you dating anybody? Do we, do we, do we really have to do that? You say, well, Pastor, it's 2024. This is how it's done today. You look online, you spot someone, you're that kind of cute, you, you, you befriend them and uh, that's how you date. Okay, let me know how that turns out. And I want to say this too. Use your authorities. Before you fall head over heels in love with someone, ask your parents. Well, I don't want them to meet my parents. See, there's a problem right there. Ask your parents. What do you think about this guy? What do you think about this girl? You say, well, my parents aren't godly people, but they know you. And they know life and they know people and they know patterns. They may know more than what you think. They're not always right. I'm not always right. But you'd be wise. You'd be wise to maybe, maybe even run someone by the pastor and say, Pastor, you know anything about this person? You know their background? Anything that would veto any red flags that you would say, uh-uh, I don't think they'll be a good future mate. Do you see anything? Amen. Just a thought. Amen. So what do you look for? Let me give you this. Maybe, maybe, maybe seven minutes. We'll hurry. What do you look for? I'm single, Pastor. I'm looking for the right person. I'm a parent. I want my kid to marry the right person. I'm a grandparent. I want my grandkids to marry right and to be happy. What do you look for? Most important thing. Here it goes. You think of what you think it is, and then I'll tell you what the answer is. Most important thing to look for, dating, future marriage. Here it is. You ready? The opposite gender. I know you're shocked. It's in the Bible. It's always been that way. It doesn't matter who changes what. Trans this, trans that. Well, this is okay. No, it's not okay with God. God says opposite gender. Girls, marry a guy. Guys, marry a girl. Number two, right with authority. You want to make sure that person is right with their leaders. Is that kid right with his parents? Do they back talk their parents? If so, they're a rebel. They've got, they've got some issues. A guy who's a rebel will never climb the ladder at work. He'll never have the great money at work. He'll not climb to the leadership. If she's a rebel, she's not going to follow you. Are they right with parents? Are they right with mom and dad? Right with a pastor? Right with their boss? Right with their teacher? Are they right with authorities? Number three, no ditch sins. We've mentioned this before. A ditch sin is a sin that's harder than other sins to get out of. It's like back in your car in the ditch, you just can't quite get it out. Ditch sins, here they are, lying. Well, he lies a lot, but he's a good guy. Well, he's going to be lying to you. Lust. 
laziness. These things are hard to change. Losing it, temper. Out of control. Lotto, gambling, get rich quick, make fast money. Not able to just work for it. Always got to. Number four, attentiveness in church. Sunday morning, if you're dating someone or interested in someone, you ought to just look around and see if they're paying attention. Because if they're not listening to him, they may not listen to you one day. I want to be married to someone that's, that's listening to him. Number next, quickly, are they fun? Are they fun? Sometimes people call us, we're a fundamental Baptist church. Fundamental fun. And it ought to be fun. I don't know any church in our area having a jersey Sunday next week. I don't know any church that has fun ladies conferences like ours. We want life to be a fun time. Are you a fun person or boring? Okay, it sure is quiet. If people are going on vacation, are you the one that say, man, I wish so-and-so could go on vacation with us. Or do they say, we're going to the funeral home. Would you like to come? (laughs) Are they fun? I probably shouldn't even tell the story. Years ago, we took a trip, Brother Johnson, Brother Rule, and I. We flew all night. We were flying to some conference. We were half asleep. We were at Denny's. Brother Johnson, Mike Johnson, Mr. He-Man preacher, went into the restroom. The waiter came out. I said, hey, uh, we'd like to have a little fun with our friend. Can you help us? He said, sure. What do you want? I said, when he orders, all we want you to do is wink at him. Mike Johnson. If you don't know who I'm talking about, you just have to imagine. Brother Johnson came out, just, I mean, rubbing sleep from his eyes. We are whipped. And he opens it up, he, and, and the waiter says, uh, would you, uh, uh, what would you like? He said, a cup of coffee, and then I want these eggs over Miami, and I want this, and I want that, and that. And then the waiter said, anything else? Johnson looked up, and he said, no, I think that's it. And the waiter winked at him. Brother Johnson went from sleepy to wide awake. Blood vessels started shooting out of his neck. He's got fire coming out of his eyes. He said, did I see what I thought I saw? And the waiter looked at him. He said, anything else, sir? And he winked and then went. (laughs) He went the extra mile. Johnson came out of that chair. I thought he was going to just grab that guy. Hey, bro, Johnson, we're we're just cutting up with you. And I don't think you ought to do that. I don't think anyone should have done that, but I enjoyed watching it. And I think I paid for the tip. <laughs> Fun. A friend of mine was dating this girl in college. And so uh, he came back to the dormitory. And I said, how did the date with so-and-so go? He said, it was great. I said, had a good time? Oh, yeah. She's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, great. He said, you know, she's got the book of Matthew memorized. I said, really? The book of Matthew? And Ephesians. I said, cool. And Philippians. Wow. And the book of Acts. Are you kidding? I said, you're going to take her out again? He said, no. He said, I don't want to marry the Apostle Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Number six, look at their family. And again, there's always exceptions to this rule. It doesn't mean if so-and-so you're interested in comes from a terrible family, they're off limits and it never would work. Because many of you had terrible upbringing or non-Christian upbringing and you married someone, had the same background and you're, and you're doing great. But I'm just saying, you want to look at their family. You want to meet their family. You want to find out, is the mother a screamer? 
Does the mother run her dad? Is she the leader of the home? Is the home volatile? Is there fighting? Is there physical alterations? Is there addictions? What's their background? You say, well, why is that important? That's who raised that person. That's how they were raised. It does affect them. It doesn't mean they're off limits. I'm just saying, you want to see their family. Is his daddy bald? Someone said there's four stages of hair growth. Bald, fuzz, is, was. He had wavy hair. It waved goodbye. If you're a single lady and you're dreaming of marrying a guy and he, he leans you over for that long kiss and you're running your fingers through his hair like the Clark Gable shows, you better make sure his daddy has hair. Okay, just moving right along. People, psh, 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 dropping you on Facebook, dropping you. Forget it. I want to be married to someone that looks like this. Then want to say this quickly. Nothing physical. Nothing physical. That's when things start getting complicated. You're dating. You're looking for the right one. You want to be spiritually attached, emotionally attached, and save that physical for later. Just be so careful. And we'll bring a whole message on that, and we did much last week. Let's keep going here. Number eight, home is the testing ground. I remember... Uh, when I grew up, I had one brother, and sometimes he was too many. Any of you growing up, you felt like you had a brother too many? How about a sister too many? How about a bunch of people too many in your house? Okay. So the thing is, when you leave home, you can leave all those people. You go to Bible college, and you got four roommates. Okay, the next semester, you got different roommates. When you marry, you got a permanent roommate. It's permanent. So important. What else here? You want to marry someone that has simple tastes. When you go out to eat and they say, I'll take crab legs. I'll take the filet mignon. Make that two. Make that two. Two filet mignon. And I'll take these two desserts. That's probably not who you want to marry. And nothing's wrong with that meal. That first meal, it ought to be, I'll take water and crackers. You have any ketchup packs? Maybe I'll squirt it on the crackers. But you want someone with simple taste. Can they do a garage sale? Can they clip a coupon? Can they look for a special? Um, money saved always smells better than perfume. Just a thought. When Angela Carranza, who's now Angela Benefield, she rode the bus and got saved in... Uh, uh, Mare Island on the Vallejo bus route, fell in love with Brother Benefil. He had already determined he was going to Cambodia as a missionary. Angela said this, I never knew we'd have electricity. I always assumed I'd be washing clothes in the river. And she was still willing to marry him. Just simple taste because she was in love with him. Here's another one quickly and then we're done. Oh, they sold out to God. Or they sold out. What a girl in our youth group years ago, her name was Virginia. And Virginia was a very, very attractive girl. She looked like something off of a model magazine. 
Virginia didn't date in high school. The guys were scared of her. She was just so pretty. She was godly, loved the Lord, worked on a bus route, just very pretty. She went off to Bible college and then I moved here. Didn't hear much from her. Finally got a letter and I asked her, I said, so someone told me you were dating seriously in college. Did you marry the guy? And she said, no. I said, was he good looking? Oh yeah. Was he a spiritual guy? Very spiritual. And you didn't marry him? Nope. She said, I called it off. I said, well, how come? Here's what she said. I'll never forget it. I sensed a reserve. I sensed he hadn't given it all to the Lord. And I figured if he wouldn't give God everything, he wouldn't give me everything. So I just called it off. She's been bitter ever since. No, no, I'm just kidding. She went on to serve the Lord. She's doing great. Just some thoughts tonight on this important subject, future marriage, present marriage. I want to encourage you if you're single here tonight, encourage the married couples. It's a battle. Satan would like to take down every married couple in this church. If you're dating, choose wisely. Choose slowly. If you're marrying, remember, it's permanent. We told our kids when they got married, we said now, when you butt heads and have arguments, you're not coming home. We're changing the key at the front door. You can't come home. You talk it out. You figure it out. You get counseling. This is the one you wanted. You're not coming home every time you have an argument. You're not coming home. 